Whenever I visit France, I always see lots of top bottles for sale, but when I get back home, those same bottles can be much harder to find, if not impossible. That's why I use IdealWine.com. At IdealWine.com, I can buy wines directly from France for delivery directly to my home. They have new auctions every week, and the fixed price selection is equally awesome. Clos Rouchard, Chateau Reyes, and Ulysse Colon, as well as many more greats from all over France, are regularly available on the website. Best of all, it is simple and hassle-free to buy them. Ideal Wine handles all the customs and logistics hurdles for you and for me. Wines are ordered with a couple of clicks, and then they arrive. It is simple. Check out IdealWine.com for more information. That's I-D-E-A-L-W-I-N-E.com to find what you'd like to be drinking. I'll drink to that, where we get behind the scenes of the beverage business. I'm Levy Dalton. I'm Erin Scala. And here's our show today. Olivier Larisha of Dea Cole here on the show today. Hello, sir. How are you? Very well, thank you. Nice to have you here. So you were originally doing some student learning in Bordeaux. I beginning my uh, my study in the wine and the uh, in the winery in Bordeaux in a, in an engineer school during uh, three years in Bordeaux uh, with a different period of training. And after I continued my continue my studying in Dijon in Burgundy. So where did you work in Bordeaux? Uh, I have made different period of training in uh, Chateau Palmer, Chateau Leoville Lascaz, and uh, my, the end of my uh, my studying and uh, the main part of uh, my work was in Chateau Cheval Blanc in Saint Emilion. But you weren't from the Bordeaux region. No, no, I'm I'm born close to to Lyon. So what was that like seeing how that they they worked and farmed there? Ah, that was very interesting because that was for me really a uh, discoverer of the, the world of the wine. And um, the the way to work was very precise in the in the vineyard, uh, for example, for the green uh, harvest, for the to suppress the leaves, for this different style operation in order to obtain the better ripeness than is possible. And how did you see the differences between a state like Palmer and Cheval Blanc? You know, in terms of left bank and right bank, were there big changes? That, that was that was just my beginning, and certainly I've not the. The, the view of professional to see the small difference because there is small difference. And in Palmer, I was uh, only in the winery for the winemaking. And in uh, Lovilascas, I was only in the vineyard. So that was very, very dif- difficult to, to compare and to, to see the difference. I see. And eventually you ended up working in Burgundy. How did that come about? So the transition with the, with the Burgundy was very exciting because that was totally different way, different totally different style of world. Uh, Burgundy, that was big castle with a lot of people to work with a very specific way to work. In Burgundy, we arrived like a family on place with small structure, with small part in the vineyard. With, and in Burgundy, each part in the vineyard is like a garden. And uh, with the small differences of soil, small differences of uh, plants, and that was a big transition for me. And uh, that was totally different. And how did you end up there? Did you did you apply to work, or did you meet someone? 
I have decided to, to go in Burgundy for my study in, in first because uh, after my engineer school, I have uh, decided to continue in analog uh, diploma. So by this way, I'm just uh, I'm arrived in Burgundy. And uh, at the end of my uh, school in Burgundy, where we need to be uh, to have period of training. And uh, by uh, this way, I have asked to Jean-Pierre de Smet in Domaine de l'Arlo to, to be trainer in, uh, in his winery. And uh, he, he take me. And uh, that was the beginning of my adventure with the, with the Burgundy. So you worked with Jean-Pierre Desmet at Arlo for a number of years and eventually became the head winemaker. What was Jean-Pierre Desmet like as a person? Oh, Jean-Pierre Desmet, for me, that's really a great, great guy. That's uh, that, that like a second father for me. And he learned me, not all uh, that I know, but a big part of the my known, known in, uh, in the winemaking, the precision, the quality of work, and uh, all the sensations that we need to have when we're winemaking uh, for that. What was really something very, very, someone very, very important for me for that. And he had worked at Dujac for a bit with Jacques Says. Yes, the, the beginning of the period of Jean-Pierre in the, in the wine uh, was at the winery of uh, Jacques Says, and in Dujac winery. And uh, Jean-Pierre, each uh, vintage, came in Burgundy to help Jacques during, uh, I don't remember exactly, one month or two months during the, the winemaking, to, because he liked that, and slowly and slowly was more and more addict to, to the winemaking, and he decided to, to stay in Burgundy and uh, to, to buy a vineyard and uh, to, to stay. And uh, that was the beginning of the adventure of Domaine de l'Arlo. Did you see the, the winemaking or the vineyard handling as somewhat influenced by the Dujac experience in terms of whole cluster or in terms of organic farming? For Jean-Pierre, well, yes, that was exactly that. Uh, he was very, very influenced by uh, Dujac's style of winemaking because I think he has drink a lot of wine of uh, Dujac that was great, great wine. And uh, when we drink this style of wine, we're obliged to be influenced. That. And that was the case for Jean-Pierre and for me after, because uh, during the training period, that was an obligation to drink a lot of bottles of Dujac in the cellar of Jean-Pierre. And after, we were influenced by the style. So. <laughs> influenced in more than one way, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you got there what year at Arlo? Well, ah, I just arrived before the harvest uh, 98. And when you were there in about 01, they started to convert into biodynamics. Yes, we have uh, decided with Jean-Pierre to, to pay attention to biodynamic in, uh, at the end of uh, 90. I have beginning to follow like a formation with uh, like a study uh, in biodynamic in the end of 1990. And in 2000, we make the first experiment in biodynamic at Larlo. The first year that was uh, half of hectare. After, in 2001, we make three hectares, in 2002, six hectares, and in 03, we decide to convert all the domain of Flano. And what was that experience like, working through that conversion? Oh, that was very, very exciting experience, because during all my study, I've never heard the name or the word biodynamic. That was forbidden, and something's bad. And uh, because when you make engineer school, that's very scientific and biodynamic is totally uh, another 
way of, of that. And that was, I was very curious at the beginning. And the first time I said, oh, that seems to be a little crazy, a little strange. And slowly and slowly, when we make experiments, when we meet some people, we discover that's more and more complex than just the opposition between science and biodynamics. No, there is really a lot of things to understand, a lot of things to, to do. That's another way to the classic uh, viticulture, but that's very exciting things. And when we're beginning in this way, you come back after. Did the wine start to taste different to you? Did you notice changes as the conversion happened? Yes, but very often we have, we have the worst place to, to see if there is an evolution in the wine because we are too implicated in the, in the wine. Sure, I have the impression, I have the, yes, some impression. But the best things is when your clients say you, your wine are really changed since five years, six years, you have more precision, you have more. Because they are outside to the winery, outside to all the experiments, and they say, oh, we, we, we have seen some things. And uh, that's the best, uh, the best element for me. Because very often we are too implicated to, to be, I don't know how we say exact, to, to have, in France, to avoir le recul, to see what's remained. And what about the whole cluster? What did you think about the use of stems? How did it affect the wines? Uh, for, for me, that's really very important way of winemaking. Because keep or not keep the, the, the stems, that, just, that was not just question of the, the stem. The question is the uh, evolution of the, the winemaking and the evolution of the fermentation. When you work in wall bunches, you have very soft and very slow fermentation. During the three weeks of maceration, you have the fermentation. And uh, the temperature increases slowly at the beginning. After you have a long period of uh, high temperature, higher, good temperature, and the decrease is very, very slow. If you work with the destemming, you have all the juice is free at the beginning for the yeast. And when the yeast beginning to work, we have all the volume uh, available for the fermentation. So the temperature increases very quickly. They stay in the high level short time, they decrease very quickly after. So that's not the same cinetic of fermentation. And for me, that's, that's a big influence in the style of wine after. Because when you have the, the wall cluster, you have very soft extraction. And you have an extraction of the end of the, of the fermentation and that very, very soft extraction for me. And also there was no cold soak at Arlo. So the temperature wasn't usually cooled uh, when the grapes came in. No, we have never made, uh, for example, a cool pre-fermentation. No, never. We try to have good temperature at the beginning, around, around 16, 18 maximum Celsius degree. After, you have nothing to control because like that very slow and very soft fermentation, uh, that go very slowly and you, you don't have problem of uh, too high temperature, except some very small exception. But classically, that's very easy to work like that. And what about the vineyards of Arlo? There's the two monopole, and how did you find them to, to differ, the Clos de Foray and the Clos de Arlo? Yes, the Vendel de Arlo has the luck to have two, two very nice and very important monopoles, Clos de Arlo and Clos de Foray. And, the, and that was very interesting because two monopoles in Nuit Saint-Georges Premier Cru and maybe the two most opposite 
monopole because Claude Larlot is very feminine in style. Closer to Chambelle Musigny than, uh, than Nuit Saint-Georges in style of wine. And Claude Ferret is very classic to the style of Nuit Saint-Georges with some things more masculine, with more tannins, more structure in the wine. Two monopole totally opposite. And that was very, very interesting to, to work on to wine making the two, the two monopoly. Did they behave differently in terms of how, when you make them in the cellar, did the grapes behave differently? Yeah, yes. The, since the beginning, the grapes are different. And when I was training in, uh, in Larlo, my thema of training was to make analysis about the berries of Claude Larlo and Claude Foray to compare the analysis between the two, uh, two origins. And the berries are different. The two are Pinot Noir, the two are in Nuit Saint-Georges, less than one kilometer between the two monopoles, and you have not the same analysis at the beginning. Claude Larlo, you have less acidity, less tannins, and less anthocyan in the skin since the beginning. And you find with the same element at the end in the wine. Claude Larlo is less colored, less powerful in, in terms of tannins, less acid than Claude Frey Saint-Georges. And that different style of wine, definitely. And you also worked with vineyards in, in Vaughan, the yes. Romney saint vivac and Cru, and, and Les Souchots. How were those different than the Louis saint George vineyards? Oh, that's the uh, same thing. Since the beginning, when you're winemaking Les Souchots and Claude Ferret, you have difference in the style of the wine. You very often were a little disappointed at the beginning of the winemaking by the Les Souchots. That seems to be lighter, that seems to be you have the impression that you miss something in the wine because it seems to be less, no, less, less powerful, less rich. Say, so, oh, that's, I'm a little disappointed. And slowly and slowly in the winemaking and more and more in the aging, the show back and say, oh, yes, really, you have something in complexity, in the style of tannins, that's more velvety in Les Suchos. And the wines arrive later. Claude Forest, since the beginning, in the berries, you, have, you, you find the wine, the powerful the structure of the wine. Suchot, Claude Larlo, you find the wine later. That's a long-term wine during the aging. So like Dujac, you, you also were somewhat unique in that you made some, some Chardonnay in the Cote de in Nuit Saint-Georges in your case. Uh, what was that like? Yes, uh, at Larlo, we, have the, we were the luck to have a, a big part in Chardonnay for the Côte de Nuit uh, because uh, there is uh, two hectares of uh, Chardonnay and a very small part of Pinot Bureau with the Chardonnay directly. So that's Pinot Gris. Pinot for, Gris, yeah, yes. Yeah, in Burgundy, we call it Pinot Bureau. And uh, that's one of the specificity of the wines of Domaine de Larlo that... Uh, the whites are Chardonnay, 95, 97%, and just a touch of Pinot Bureau. And uh, the white of uh, Côte de Nuit are very specific, and in Domaine de l'Arlo, particularly, because we can't compare really to, to the wine of uh, Côte de Beaune. The wines, when you, when you taste, for example, Claude Larlo, very young, the first impression is very exotic. Uh, you have pineapple, uh, exotic fruits, and citru citrus, uh, pamplemousse. You say, oh, wh what's this wine? And slowly and slowly, when the wine ages, it becomes more classic to, uh, to the wine like uh, Meursault and uh, this style with the complexity of Chardonnay. And uh, at the beginning, the wine I'm, are maybe less acid or less uh, mineral than, uh, than the wine from Côte de Beaune. 
and slowly and slowly when the wine age, they becomes more classic. You were at Arlo for how long altogether? And I, I stay in Arlo during uh, 13 vintages uh, between uh, 98, that was my first vintage with Jean-Pierre. We have uh, co-winemaking with Jean-Pierre until uh, 2004, 2005. And after I was alone uh, between uh, 2007 and 2010. 2010 was my last vintage in, uh, in Larlo. And how was it to be alone there? What, was that a different feeling for you than when we were working with Mr. Deschmet? Yes, that was different, sure, because uh, Jean-Pierre with uh, me, we have very, very close relation and uh, we test together, we decide together all the elements of the, the wine to, to, to continue. And I think we have really progressed and uh, that was a great, very good period and very interesting period. After, when you are alone, uh, that's different. But during this period, I try to be helped by uh, other people who work with me. Uh, like, for example, Sylvain was my uh, second, in a, my assistant in the domain. He tests with me. And each time in the wine, that's important to, to don't be alone and to, to try to test with some other people. Because when you stay alone, you can make great mistakes. Because you are in one direction with one view, and you need to have some other view around you to, to, to see some mistake. If I were to sum up Nuit Saint-Georges in terms of flavor profile from other Burgundies from the Cote de Nuit, what, 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 what should I be thinking about in terms of understanding a Nuit Saint-Georges? Hmm. Nuit Saint-Georges, so that's one of the two villages for me with the most powerful wine, powerful and structured wine. In Nuit Saint-Georges, classically, so Claude Larlo was a, <laughs> a bad example, but uh, you have normally presence of tannins, uh, good tannins, but tannins are present. You have a dark wine, uh, classically with touch of uh, paper, of, uh, of uh, dark berries, uh, this style of, uh, of aroma. When it's young, the, the wines of Nuit Saint-Georges are, yes, dark impression, classically. And after, when the wine age a little, the uh, secondary aroma arrive with touch of, uh, of mold, of uh, but, uh, ripe berries, like uh, fruits with alcohol, and the complexity arrive. At the beginning, Nuit Saint-Georges, in compared to some other village, that could be a little... Uh, Massive or uh, uh, not brutal, but yes, that's more brutal if you compare Nuit Saint-Georges to Vaughan or Chambol. Sure, that's harder for me to approach young in compared to some other village. But really, the wine needs to be aged a little to, to develop all the complexity and, uh, and to absorb a little the, the brutality of the, the beginning. A lot of times when I tasted uh, Arlo, I found the red fruit, but I also found a smoky character, kind of a smoke. Uh, is that something you found as well? Yes, a, lo a lot of people say, say, say that for, for us, that we have very often in Domaine de l'Arlo, in the wine of Domaine de l'Arlo, a touch of uh, smoky or of uh, soft, spicy, something like that. And that seems to be like a touch, characteristic touch of, uh, of Domaine de l'Arlo very often, because a lot of people say, say us that very impression. Why? I don't know. That's style of winemaking or the place. I, I don't know exactly why, but uh, lots of people say that. So you finished up there, 
2010 is the last harvest, and you went down and, and you had purchased a property in the Ardèche, which is near the Rhone, but a little further south. And how did you end up down in the Ardèche? So after uh, 13 years in, uh, in Burgundy, uh, with France, my wife, we, have, uh, we, have, we need to, to make some things different. To make to... Very often we say we have just one life and uh, we need something different to change and to discover other things to, to do. And that was important to do something for us because at Lalo, uh, that was a really great place, but that was not our place. And... Uh, Since a few years, we go regularly in Ardèche. Uh, we went regularly in, in Ardèche to, uh, because we have a house for holiday, for weekend. And you had a vacation home. Yes, I vacation see. in Ardèche. And uh, when we are in, in one place, we taste the, the local wine. Uh, we taste the wine from Ardèche. Uh, and slowly and slowly, we discover the local wine. So, oh, that seems to be interesting. And uh, when we Florence, we decide to to change and to try to find something for us. We have the luck very quickly to to find one property in in Ardèche, uh, just the vineyard because there is no cellar, uh, nothing, just the vineyard. And uh, very quickly we go to to visit and to uh, see the vineyard. And uh, two months after, we decide to to change and to to go to the source to to change of life. So you're there, there, Cole. And when did you arrive? So we have uh, we have bought the vineyard in uh, January 2011. So just three years ago, and I stay at Larlo until uh, August 2011. And I just I just left uh, Burgundy 12 of August, and we're beginning harvest uh, 17 of uh, August. Oh my gosh! So yeah. as soon as you got down to the Ardèche, you had to harvest. Yes, yes. Just uh, we arrive, we put all our boxes in the before the house, and we, we go to the winery to harvest. We have no time to to put the, the boxes in the house correctly. That was totally crazy. Is that because the Ardèche sometimes the harvest a little earlier than Burgundy? Oh yes, yeah, yes. The harvests are classically uh, two, three weeks earlier than uh, than in Burgundy. So, what were some of the changes like? What did you find when you went down there? Different grape varieties, different soil. All, all, all is different. All is different. First, the weather, because and the difference of weather implicated a lot of difference in the way to work. Uh, in the vineyard, for example, in Burgundy, the first goal is to try to to add maximum of uh, exposition of the sun for the berries. That was the goal because you have big problem of rot, problem of mildew, powder mildew. In Ardèche, that was the reverse impact, reverse things because. We have a lot of sun naturally, and the focus in some time is more to protect the berries to the sun than to expose the berries to the sun. Because if you want, if to don't have too ripe wine, too alcoholic wine, you need to protect the berries to have slow maturation and slow ripeness. And compared to Burgundy, that's totally different. And all, all is different. What about the grape varieties? What are you working with down there? So at the domain uh, des Accoles, the our main uh, variety is Grenache. After we have uh, Carignan, Cabernet Sauvignon, and just a little touch of Syrah. And for the white, we have Chardonnay. So that's uh, just this grape we know before to 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 move to Ardèche. And the the, the red grape, the red uh, variety, are totally different in the in the way to winemaking in compared to to Burgundy. Uh, same thing. In Pinot Noir, you need 
to have uh, to have uh, not uh, aggressive, but you need to be active to extract the the color, to extract the tannins. In Ardèche, you need to be very very soft to avoid to have too rich wine, too big wine, because naturally the skins are very very uh, uh, big and a uh, little thicker. Yeah, thicker, thicker skins than the Pinot. And that's very hard, for example, to crush the berries because uh, the skin is, is so hard. And uh, naturally, the, the skins are very rich in tannins, in, in antocyanin. And you just put the, the berries in the vat, and one day after, your wine is already black. You say, oh, that's crazy. Um, more colored after two days than in uh, three weeks in, uh, in Burgundy. And same things for tannins, same things for this one. So that means that you need to be very careful in the way to extract, to the way to, to make all the elements, because that's exactly the opposite side of, uh, of way to winemaking. And what about the difference between Syrah and Pinot Noir? So Syrah, we have very, very small quantities of Syrah, so I'm not very good to, to explain that. But uh, if we take, for example, Carignan, in compared to, to, to Pinot Noir, so Pinot Noir is very delicate, very de delicate skin, if we, par if you, we spoke about uh, winemaking. Very, very thin skin in Pinot Noir. And when you touch the berries, the berries crush and freeze just very, very easily. In Carignan, you can push on the berries, nothing uh, is free, and you need to be very uh, strong to, to, to extract the juice. So at, at the beginning, we, we try to make the same winemaking than in, uh, in Burgundy and to, to keep a maximum in, in wall, a wall cluster to be very, very soft. But after the second vintage, we have seen that we need to be a little more aggressive to, to crush the berries and to certainly don't make 100% wall cluster, but less, maybe 70, 80, 60, I don't know exactly. But in order to have just at the beginning, to beginning the winemaking. Because if you keep 100% wall berries, you have no juice in the vat after one week in some time. So nothing. So And you have nothing to beginning fermentation, and that's a problem. So that's, that's a good thing. That's exactly that we try to, to, to find when we go in, in Ardèche and when we change to, to discover some things different and to have new new challenge for us. So you have uh, quite a bit of Cabernet planted, but not so much Syrah in your vineyard. And why would that be? Yes, be because the vineyards that we have bought was uh, before uh, totally, the berries are totally uh, sold to the calf cooperative. Oh, I see. Because the source of Ardèche is uh, 90 or 95% uh, product by the calf cooperative. And uh, 15 years ago, the calf cooperative not maybe not all scarf cooperative, but the calf cooperative in the area uh, decide to pull out one part of the Syrah and to remplace by uh, Cabernet Sauvignon because that was more more fashion. They they actually remove some Syrah vines and they re, they replaced with, with yes. Cabernet. I, I have the impression that uh, actually that that changed in function of the the fashion for, for that. So is that also why I haven't seen Deacol wines before? It's because they were being sold to the, the co-op before. Yes. And so yes. they weren't bottled individually. Yeah, Domaine Deacol don't exist before. We have, we have created the name, we have created the labels. We have, because before there is no, no wine. The wine was the, the berries. 
were sold to uh, to CAV cooperative and mixed with some of our producers. And so three vintages now, 11, 12, 13, how have those differed? Ah, that's three very different vintages. The first one, 11, was uh, the first. And big, big discover. As I explained, we just arrived uh, three days before the, the winemaking on the beginning of harvest. So in 11, we have follow the berries and try to to be not too, not too late. And uh, re- that was really the discover. The second vintage in uh, 2012, we have we have uh, able to anticipate the ripeness, to anticipate the problem, because we are arrived since one year. And that was more interested, but that was always a discover. And uh, the last one, uh, 13, we uh, we were in place since two years. We have time to, to beginning to, to to move the direction of the vineyard, to to add modification in the vineyard. We have beginning conversion in uh, biodynamic, conversion in organic. And uh, we have the first impact now of, of this conversion, and that was easier for us. But in reverse, uh, during the, the, this, uh, this vintage, we have big problem in, in the Rhone Valley of couleur. Couleur, that's the de- destruction of the, the flowers, but the bad, uh, bad weather. So that means that we have a very, very small crop. Uh, in some part of the vineyard, we have 90% minus than, uh, than, the less, uh, than the vineyard, than the vintage before. And uh, so that's three very, very different uh, vintages. But we're beginning to see the impact in the style of wine. In, uh, in uh, 13, the vintage 13, uh, we have low, low, low yield. But in the, in the wine style, we see we already see the evolution of the of the precision of the wine, and uh, we have more mineralities than in uh, eleven. So we're beginning slowly and slowly. We're beginning to understand what we what we do in Arnish. Do you think that the Burgundian background and maybe even the Bordeaux background helped you better understand what you are encountering or approach it differently? I, I suppose we have different approach in compared to uh, to people. You have uh, always winemaking in the in the Rhone Valley because we have our history and we are always impacted by our history. And uh, we are maybe less uh, anxious by the level of acidity, for example, uh, because we try to harvest very early to keep good, good acidity and to avoid to have a high level of alcohol. Uh, but when we, when, we, when we give samples to the lab to make analysis, the lab say, oh, you have too high level of acidity, that's too high. And for me, that's too low in compared to my classic uh, references. And certainly, that, that's another view because our nose or palate or our mouth is uh, adapt to the Burgundian style during uh, 15 years. And now we continue with this, uh, with this vision. So you feel that you're harvesting fairly early for the area? Yes, definitely yes. And some neighbors come to say us, say, oh, what you do? So we harvest, but why? Because that's ripe. Oh, you are sure? And they test the berries, say, oh, yes, that seems to be ripe. So I need to, to go to see my vineyard now. So that's not the case for all the people, sure. But because we have some, some people who you are very, very precise and some, but some of her in, the, in this area of CAF Cooperative in some are 
can compare maybe to the Burgundian view, uh, a little far to the vineyard and far to the winemaking. So that's a different view. And, uh, are there wineries in the area that have influenced you? Or are there places you've tasted at where you thought, oh, that's interesting? Yeah, so we're beginning to have very good relationship with other winery. And, uh, for example, Mas de Libyan, uh, Domaine Saladin, this style of winery. And uh, now we try to test together, to, to compare, to see, because as we are not at the origin from the rare, we have a lot of things to learn about uh, the grapes, about the, the, wine the classic winemaking of the rare. And, uh, and that's very interesting. And I suppose that for the other people, that's the same thing. We have an, another view in compared to, to them. And each time the, the, to, to discuss and to, to compare the, the, the wines, it's very, very inter interested. What about whole cluster? Are you doing any uh, whole cluster at the new project in the Ardèche? Yes, yes, we, we, we work uh, maximum than is possible in whole cluster. For example, in the vintage uh, uh, 2012, uh, the main queue of the domain, like Grief, Miocene, Chapelle, that's 100% wall cluster. Yeah. Were there any other influences that you decided to go into that direction with grape varieties like Cabernet? Uh, when, when we have uh, bought the, the vineyard, we have uh, seen that we have three hectares of Cabernet. And we have not a lot of uh, reference in Cabernet. And uh, we say, so we have Cabernet, how we can produce some things different to the classic Cabernet, uh, uh, like in Bordeaux, we have not the same soil, we have not the same uh, potential, certainly. And we have visited uh, some winery, like uh, Turley Winery and Fela Winery, we produce, uh, if speak, uh, Cabernet, or uh, Domaine Trévalon. And we have seen that it's possible to make di a different style of Cabernet in using wall cluster. So that's the reason that we have decided to make the same thing uh, to work in wall cluster in Cabernet, 50% in the vintage O2. And for the moment, the, the comment that, that, uh, that we have from our clients is very good because a lot of people say, oh, but that's totally different to classic view of Cabernet. And we are very happy of that because we want, we want to, to make things different to the classic way. And for all the wine, for Cab, for uh, the Grenache, for the... Um, we have... Yes, that was really the goal to, to, to go to Ardèche, to be free to, in the style of winemaking, more free than in Burgundy. When people buy one Nuit Saint-Georges or one Von Romanet, he wait, the people wait some things precise and, uh, in one direction. In Ardèche, you have no preview of the wine before. You, have, you don't know what you want to find in your glass and there is place for surprise. And that's very interesting for me to, 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 to give this surprise to the people who open the bottle and to your glass, you drink the glass. So Turley in California, they're, they're Cabernet. Yes, when, when we have uh, met uh, Larry, he explained to us that he has buy uh, 10 hectares of Cabernet. And uh, he don't know exactly how product it. And uh, he discussed with... Uh, with Aaron from Domain Fela, and they decide to make some things different to the classic Cabernet too. And for us, that was like a, like a revelation to, to saw that uh, Cabernet with a lot of fruits, a lot of uh, very uh, dr great drinkability in the wine, but not with the sweet aspect or with the rich aspect we can find in some, some time in, in Cabernet. Some things different, like easy wine to drink. And what about the Chardonnay? How is it different 
in the Ardèche compared to how it behaved in Burgundy. Oh, so that's 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 the same grade, but that totally different. At the beginning, when we are, when we have about the vineyard, we have seen Chardonnay. We have said, oh, what's a mistake? Chardonnay in in south of France that that will be certainly a catastrophe. So we have made the first harvest. And when we have uh, obtained the first press, we say, oh, but that seems to be to have a good acidity, good minerality in the wine. And slowly and slowly during the the aging, say, oh, but that seems to be correct. And after bottling, that was really a great revelation and uh, very successful because we have the the source aspect of uh, ripeness, but no no heavy aspect on the wine that's that stay uh, alike that seems to be to be that uh, that stay acid and for me that's really uh, interesting and as a result we have decided to 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 put new plants and a new part of chardonnay in our vineyard now oh really so you're yeah. having some yeah yes yeah. so that was uh, next spring we, we we make a new part of chardonnay because the first one is very small we produce between 1 and 2000 bottles so that's very small and uh, in order to have uh, correct quantities of uh, bottles, uh, around 5,000 bottles in total. And after, we will uh, follow with some of our grapes, maybe more exotic. And more. What are the different bottlings that you've produced so far? Uh, in the vintage 2012, we have five different reds. One white, one rosé. The different reds was... Uh, ah, sorry, ah, are, uh, the simplest is called... Le rendez-vous, le rendez-vous des acolytes, that's 100% Grenache, product with young vines between 10 and 20 years old. And the goal with this wine is obtain something very drinkable, very easy, fruity, easy wine. The second red wine is a Cab des acolytes, so that's 80% Cabernet, 20% Cab, uh, Grenache. Same things. Easy Cabernet to drink, uh, wine, uh, engine wine, you can drink with piece of cheese, of uh, charcuterie, very, very easy wine. After, the three others reds are product with all parts of the vineyard. You have Griff. Griff is 100% Carignan. Vineyard is between 50 and 60 years old, product with 100% wall cluster. And this wine very often is very, very, that's a revelation for a lot of people. Say, oh, but Carignan, that's crazy wine and crazy grape. And uh, we are very happy of this wine because that's totally different that we can imagine at the beginning for, for Carignan. And after, the two others are blend between Grenache. One is uh, called La Chapelle, that's Grenache, Carignan, Cabernet and Syrah that we have the first different uh, red grapes than we, than we have. And uh, the other one is Miocene, 70% of uh, Grenache and 30% of Carignan. And the two last, La Chapelle and Miocene, are very closed in the, in the vineyard, 100 meters between the, the two parts, very close in the, in the blend between uh, Chapelle 60 and 30, the Miocene 70 and 30, very close in the blend, and that's two totally different styles of wine. Chapelle is more classic to the, the wine of the South of France, that's runder, riper in the style of, of wine. Miocene is uh, located in place with a lot of limestone, white limestone, which is called Miocene, and that gives some things, a lot of people ex- say, more Burgundian style in this wine, that's very elegant, very delicate, less ripe in style of aroma, that's more 
red, Chapelle is more black. And that's two very different stuff wine. And that's very, very uh, funny for me. For me, that's like a reminiscence between Claude Larlo and Claude Forest Saint-Georges, between Chapelle and uh, Miocene. One is more masculine, the other is more feminine. Because the Miocene that I tried in 12, it, it does seem to me to be quite restrained in the way it drinks in terms of a wine from the south of France. <laughs> yes, a lot of people who taste uh, the wine in Orinori say, oh, but that, that's in the south of France. That seems to be came from something more nurse in compared to the style of Faroma. Uh, we have decided with Florence to produce the style of wine that we like. So that means why it's not too high in alcohol, very fruity, very approachable wine. And uh, for this way, we have decided to harvest early when the fruits are ripe, but not overripe, just to keep the freshness of the fruit and keep a good level of acidity same things to get the freshness to keep the freshness in the in the wine and the wines do seem although i would say it's something like the miocene is restrained they do seem very approachable on release in terms of i i feel like i could drink the wine right away is it a difference between that and the Nuit saint george experience yes because i have produced Nuit saint george during uh, close to 15 years and that was very hard job to explain to the people to keep the wine in cellar, to keep uh, 10 years before to drink. And now we produce vin de l'Ardèche or vin de France. And if we explain to people to keep it 10 years, that's impossible. No, the, the people want to buy the bottle, open the bottle and drink it. And that's really the goal with our wines. We can drink young. I suppose that wine like Mayasen or Chapelle or Griff could be keep five years, maybe more in cellar, I hope. But we can drink young, we can wait, certainly. But uh, now we need uh, time to see the evolution of the wine, to see how long we can keep it. But that's not the goal, that's not the focus in the winemaking. When I've tried the wines before, they almost struck me in a way to be a little bit kind of like a natural wine character. What's the yeast regime like? Are you using cultured yeast or is it natural? We, we uh, always uh, work with uh, native yeast and indigenous yeast. We never add uh, yeast. We never add uh, enzyme. No, we just use berries and just a little touch of sulfates, but minimum than is possible. Not over product in the wine. For me, the wine must to be berries. And it doesn't seem very filtered. It seems... Uh, unfiltered in style. Is that true? Or? Yes, unfiltered, uh, no fining. Uh, sure, ra- close to natural uh, wine, uh, more, than, more than is possible. Yeah. At Arlo, you didn't do a cold soak, and you took the grapes in, and as long as they were fairly cold, you started the fermentation with no temperature change to the grapes. Is that possible in the south of France, where it's a bit warmer, or have you had to make changes to... Uh, the temperature of the grapes after harvest. Yes. One of the problems in the south of France is uh, the temperature when we harvest. Because very often we're beginning harvest in August, mid-August, end of August. And at this period, the the weather is very warm. We have a 30 degrees centigrade the afternoon. So in order to to avoid problem of temperature, we just harvest the morning until... uh, one o'clock or two o'clock the beginning of the afternoon. And the other way, in order to avoid to have two warm berries, and that one of the change between uh, vintage uh, 11 and 12, 
we harvest by hand, we put the berries in small boxes, and directly after, we put the boxes in a fridge. We have buy a fridge in a, in a truck in order to, to keep the berries in, uh, in cool temperature and to, to move the berries until the winery in this cool temperature. And as a result, we put the berries directly at, the, at a good temperature in the, in the vat. We are not obliged to use um, your system to, to less temperature after. The goal is to put the berries in good temperature and don't move the juice after that. And inside of France, what is the view of the Ardèche today? There do seem to be standout uh, states in the Luberon and in the Ardèche uh, in general. Um, but, you know, you're in the South Ardèche. What's it like to sell the wines in, inside of France? Yeah. In, in South Ardèche, until 10 years, nobody knows the wine of South Ardèche because that was uh, the place of uh, the big calf cooperative with uh, big quantities of wine. And now, slowly and slowly, uh, young people uh, go out the calf cooperative and beginning to to make uh, own domain. And uh, more and more people spoke about Ardèche. And in in France, there is a some magazine we spoke about uh, Ardèche. More and more. So that's that's a good way for us. And uh, I think there is a lot of things very interesting because in Ardèche that shows that the source of France. But we're on the border of a mountain which is called Massif Central. And Massif Central in Ardèche gives some things a little more cooler than more in the south of France. So that's, uh, that gives some things in the wine that, uh, we have the, that the wet we have some things less alcoholic, a little uh, less fresh and uh, maybe more approachable. For that. Did you find the level of visitors to the estate to be different than when you were in Burgundy? I would imagine less less people will come from international. Sure, we have not the same quantities of people in Ardèche than in uh, than in Burgundy. But uh, in the winery, we have the luck now to see some people comes from Burgundy. So oh, we have uh, heard that you have some things interesting uh, in Ardèche, and that, that's funny. But uh, Ardèche is very touristic. But not for the wine like in uh, in Burgundy. That's touristic for the because that's very wild. We have a river. You can make canyoning, something like that. But that's not great place in South Ardèche for the wine tourism. For the moment. <laughs> <laughs> and someone that seems to have visited you in the Ardèche is your importer Daniel Jonas, who you also worked with at Arlo. Has that been an important relationship for you? Yes, uh, because. Uh, Daniel is something very, very important for, for me. He's one of the most famous testers for me. And uh, his, uh, his opinion is very important. And when he, when he came the first time in Ardèche, that was the first professional who came to test our wines. And that was big, big pressure for us because his opinion is very important. And uh, when he say to us that he likes the wine, we are very happy. And... Um, and Daniel is very royal, and he decided to to follow us and to to import wine uh, in uh, in New York with uh, with with Michael Skernick company. And uh, he was an importer of Larlo since the beginning, and he continues the history and the adventure with us, and we are very happy of that. And and what about your wife Florence? Because you had mentioned that you didn't like so much to make wine by yourself. And it seems like this is a project in the Ardèche that you're doing together with your wife. What's she like to work with? Yes, that was very important for, for us because in, uh, in Burnley, we work just a little together, but that was not a, a project together. And to, 
that's very important to to make a project together to to follow that that's like a baby for us uh, the new domain and uh, to do that together that's very important yes and Florence as as me as a as a make studying of uh, engineer uh, in agriculture at the beginning and so that the, we were two as I explained before that's very hard to be alone to to make some things and in this case we're uh, two people to to discuss to decide and to to test and uh, that's uh, that's a good way for that what's the goal over the coming years you said you might add different grape varieties what else might you be doing as the the estate gets older each day we change uh, things and uh, each vintage we will change things for example as i explained before we have decided to uh, to destem a little more for the vintage uh, um, 2013 like that in compared to 2012 in order to have just in the in the vat to beginning quicker the, the fermentation to be a little more quick in the style of fermentation in compared to to the beginning like Olivier Lariche he's just beginning at at De Cole but good things so far and looking forward to the future oh thank you Thank you very much, sir, for being on the show today. Oh, you're welcome. Olivier Lariche of Deco. All Drink to That is hosted and produced by myself, Levy Dalton. Aaron Scala has contributed original pieces. Editorial assistance has been provided by Bill Kimsey. The show music was performed and composed by Rob Moose and Thomas Bartlett. Show artwork by Alicia Tenoyan. T-shirts, sweatshirts, coffee mugs, and so much more, including show stickers, notebooks, and even gift wrap, are available for sale if you check the show website, alldrinktothatpod.com. That's I-L-L, drinktothatpod.com, which is the same place you'd go to sign up for our email list or to make one of the crucially important donations that help keep this show operating. You can donate from anywhere using PayPal or Stripe on the show website. Remember to hit subscribe or to follow this show in your favorite podcast app, please. That's super important to see every episode. And thank you for listening.